Last week, I began a four-part teaching series titled Renewing Our Mind. I'd like to continue today as I share with you, learn to stop worrying. One of the greatest things that happen that we struggle with is the issue of worrying. What would happen, though, if your mind was renewed? Would you find yourself worrying? Some people are in the habit of worrying about worrying. <laughs> but we have to really break it so we can become the people that God's called us to be. I want you to meet me in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to camp out there. But picture this couple. You see where I get my sermon notes from, <laughs> cartoons. <laughs> but picture this couple. They're in bed. The husband turns to his wife and says, Always this worrying. You should try not to take your problems with you to bed. The wife asks, where will you sleep then? <laughs> so, in essence, he's her problem. He's the source of her worrying. But worrying is a major problem today as it was in Jesus' day. In fact, the famous sermon on the mount that Jesus delivered, he was on a mountain, thousands of people gathered around listening to Christ teach. One of his topics, as he moved from sermon topic to sermon topic, one of the topics was on worrying. Matthew 6, verse 25, listen to what Jesus says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? When you think about Jesus and his message, he framed for us this insight that God is the God of the cosmos. He established this cosmological argument that God is over all of creation. He's the creator of all of creation. And he's intimately concerned about every aspect of creation. Jesus talked about people, about animals, about flora or plants. And in essence, he's saying, I want you to see this golden thread that works through all of God's creation. But yet, when it comes to humanity... We struggle at it. Animals don't worry. Plants don't worry. But why do you worry? And so Jesus is then helping us understand that we can actually learn how to stop worrying. And so the big question that I'm asking is that, are you a worrier? Are, are you worrying all the time? Well, listen to Jesus because he's saying it's pointless. It's fruitless. It is of no value to worry. 
Now, he's not saying for us to be cavalier and foolish that nothing is important. He's not saying that. He's simply saying, don't let your mind become fixated on this negative aspect or some problem that you find yourself sulking, brooding, contemplating over it in a fixated way where it affects every aspect of who you are. In other words, Jesus is saying, learn to stop worrying. You may say, how do I do that? Speak to your worries. Between Matthew 25 and verse 34, I read up to verse 30, I'll read up to verse 34 later, but between Matthew 25 to Matthew 34, three times Jesus says, do not worry. One time he asked, why do you worry? In essence, Jesus is saying, don't worry. In essence, he's teaching us Worrying is unnecessary. This exasperated husband, he asked his wife, why are you always worrying when it doesn't do any good? She quickly piped back. Oh, yes, it does. 90% of the things I worry about, they never happen. She's trying to correlate her worrying with it being a solution. It's not. Jesus is telling us this when he's telling us, in essence, how to learn to not worry. He's saying, speak to your worries. Jesus frames it by saying, I want you to see how the birds, the birds, they have very little value in contrast to human beings. He places this hierarchy of the order of creation. Humans are more valuable than birds. And he says, birds don't worry. Why? Because our Heavenly Father provides for the birds. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't toil, they don't store in barns. Our Father provides for them. What was Jesus saying to his disciples and those listening as he taught on the Sermon on the Mount? He was saying this, that speak to your worries. What should you say to your worries? God highly values me. He will provide for me. Can you repeat this after me? God highly values me. He will provide for me. That's what Jesus wants us to understand. We speak to our worries. Now, the religious can't say that. They don't have that belief in God. They don't have that assurance. They don't have that confidence in God. And so I want us to realize that. Now, the etymology, the historical foundation of the word worry, it comes from the Old English. And the Old English for worry, it means to slay, to kill, to injure by biting or shaking the throat like a dog or wolf does. It means to strangle. So anytime you worry, anytime you find yourself fixated on something and you're worrying all the time, it is creating a stranglehold around your neck because worry means to strangle. It is almost like a wolf biting your throat to suffocate you, the life of you to destroy. Worrying may seem like it's useless, but it's very harmful. And I realize it is a stranglehold on your life. I love what Solomon says in Proverbs 12, 25. Worry is a heavy burden, but a kind word always brings cheer. It's useless to worry, but it's not harmless. It is a harmful, heavy burden. And 
Solomon is telling us, in essence, worry is a stranglehold. It's this burden that'll weigh you down constantly. In fact, I'm fascinated by the research findings as to the impact of excessive worrying. It triggers stress hormones in your body. It speeds up your heart rate. It speeds up your breathing. It raises your blood sugar level. Worrying, it causes more blood to flow to your arms and legs. Excessive worrying affects your appetite and leads to migraine or tension headaches. Worrying makes you anxiety-ridden. And it causes you to oftentimes, people that worry all the time, they have destructive outlets. They look to try to bring relief through drugs, alcohol, or sleeping around, overeating, smoking. It just, it is a stranglehold on your life. That's why Jesus said three times in Matthew 25 to 34, do not worry. And one time he questions, why worry? What is Jesus saying? He's saying, learn to stop worrying. Speak to your worries. God highly values me. He will provide for me. I want you to see the other actions that Jesus gives us so we can learn to stop worrying. We learn that we ought to starve your worries. If you don't starve your worries... They will grow as a burden that gets out of control that will ultimately strangle you or suffocate you. This one job, this company, they were hiring for a position, get this, chief worry officer. The CEO says, I'm looking for someone that it takes up too much of my time for me to worry. I need someone I can delegate all worrying responsibilities to, a head head worrier, a chief worrying officer. And so this candidate applied. And he's sitting there in the interview with the the CEO. And the CEO says, do you understand the role? Can you you provide this service? I I don't want to worry any longer. I need to delegate all worrying responsibilities to you. Can you do it? The candidate says, absolutely. And the job, the CEO says, it pays $150,000 a year. I mean, that candidate smiled from ear to ear. Just think about it. And then the candidate asked the boss, when will I get my first paycheck? And the boss says, that's your first worry. (laughs) You can see this issue of worrying, it can be consuming. I want us to see how we starve worries. Jesus says in Luke 12 and verse 25. Now this is referred to as the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're synonymous. They're, I should say, not synonymous, but the synopsis of those three gospels, they're very similar. Jesus was having the same Sermon on the Mount. Luke captured it. The Lucan version, the synoptic gospel, Luke tells us a little bit different wrinkle, but the same information about do not worry. Here's what Luke says in Luke 12, verse 25. Can worry make you live longer? If you don't have power over small things, why worry about everything else? See, what Jesus was saying is this. Worrying, it gets a stranglehold on you when it causes you to lock in 
on an idea. You know, the research community, the sociologists that study topic of worry, they say most people that have excessive worrying, they have two to three items that they're locked in on mentally where they're constantly worrying about those three items. This excessive worrying, it creates a fixation on a topic. And then worrying causes you to exaggerate the negative or the possible negative consequence surrounding that topic. Worrying then is really the seed of fear. It works in your mind and it starts to mushroom and grow and exaggerate possibilities and problems and it morphs and it gets out of control and then you find yourself getting to a place where you're consumed by it. That's when the stranglehold takes place. Worry, the etymology, is to strangle you. Jesus had one response to his three do not worries and his one why worry. Here was his common response. Your heavenly Father is your provider. Why worry? You can't add a year, an hour to your life. Can't add an inch to your height. You can't. Why worry? Jesus is saying, your heavenly Father is your provider. He's distilling the problem down of worrying to this. You just don't trust God. You're gripped by fear. You're questioning the power of God. You're questioning God's assertion that your heavenly Father will provide for you, like He provides for the birds, like He provides for the, clo- or for, the, for, the for the flowers. Why are you questioning God's power? You might be powerless, but we serve a God that is powerful. In fact, He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. And so worry is a lack of fear. I'm sorry, worry is a lack of faith. Worry is fear. Worry is spiritual blindness. You you don't see God properly. You don't see God accurately. When you worry, you have a distorted view of God. And so I want you to see what Jesus was saying. The way you starve your worry is by having an accurate, accurate perspective of God. You have to feed your faith and fear will starve to death. Billy Graham once told this story that this man went into this Eskimo village and he walked in with his two big dogs. He had a big black dog on his left hand and a big white dog on his right hand. And he told the villagers and he was challenging the man. He said, man, what? What do you think if I made these two dogs fight each other? These dogs are big, huge, mean. If I made these dogs fight each other, who would you win? Who do you think? Which dog do you think will win? The big black dog or the big white dog? And the villagers put down their money and bet. And the the owner of the dog, he won. Because when he chose the black dog, the black dog would win. Next week he goes in and he would choose the white dog, and the white dog would win. And one little boy, after the third week, he's walking out. He sees the man with his dogs as he's walking out of the village with all the villagers' money. The little boy says, Sir, why are you always taking my dad's money and and my older brother and all the men in our village? You're, You're taking their money. How do you know which dog's going to win the fight? And the man said this. He said, Son, let me tell you a secret. During the week, I feed one dog. 
and I starve the other. So I know which one has the strength. Here's the point. If you want to learn to stop worrying, you have to starve worry. The way you starve worry and starve your worries is by starving fear and feeding faith. How do you feed faith? You read God's Word. How do you feed faith? You give yourself to prayer. How do you feed faith? You, you lock on on one of the promises of God. The promise of God is that God is a provider. This is not something new. Jesus taught, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Jesus wasn't the only one. Job testified. Who provides for the raven its prey? When its young ones cry to God for help and wander about for the lack of food. David sang, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Solomon wrote, the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry. In other words, your father provides. Isaiah announced, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Nahum, the prophet prophesied, the Lord is good a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in Him. I want you to see the common thread throughout the Bible. It's clear that you starve your worries when you feed your faith, and you feed your faith by realizing God is who He says He is. He is a provider. In fact, Mary shouted, I am the Lord's servant. Be it unto me what you have said. Paul preached, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It is a common fact throughout the passages of Scripture, all 66 books in sacred Scripture. Your heavenly Father is your provider. And so I must learn to feed my faith. And when I do that, doubt will starve to death. How do you create an atmosphere of faith? Camp out in God's Word. Spend some time in prayer and fasting. Join our church in this 12-day period of fasting. Register for the fast. That means that you can get a free booklet to help you because we're talking about in that booklet how to develop faith. That's how you grow in faith. An atmosphere of faith is not an atmosphere where worries can thrive. Worry only thrives in an atmosphere of fear. But we find God's provision that takes place in an atmosphere of faith. During the early days of aviation, this pilot was making a flight around the world. After he left one landing strip and he's going to the next one, halfway there, two hours away, he heard this gnawing sound and he can tell there was a rat that somehow got on that plane, and it may be chewing away one of the vital cords, cables, that's keeping this plane afloat. Before worry gripped his heart, and he knew he was two hours, if he had to go back, take him two hours, and at least two hours to get to the next landing field. Before worry gripped his heart, he recognized this rodent, this rat, it does not and cannot live in the high atmosphere it lives on the ground or under the ground and so he began to take the airplane up another thousand feet another thousand feet and soon he got to twenty thousand feet 
above the ground. And when he did that, he no longer heard the sound of the rodent. Somehow, when he soared into the high altitude and atmosphere, the rodent died. When he landed at the next airstrip and he searched the cargo, he found the dead rat. What you can learn is this. Just like worry could be like a rodent, it can't survive in the high atmosphere of faith. It only lives in an atmosphere of fear. You need to bring your problems before God. You need to say, God, I trust you that you are my father and you are my provider. Like you provided for men and women of old, you can provide for me. Take your concern before God and realize that not only can you speak to your worries, you can also starve your worries. And when you recognize that you can do those things, you're learning to stop worrying. May I tell you also what Scripture teaches about worrying, how we can get free from it? Scripture teaches, give your worries to God. Jesus taught that's one of the ways you learn to stop worrying. Give it to God. Matthew 6 and verse 33 reads, Jesus speaking, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What is Jesus saying about how we give our worries to God? We see a, a number of ways we do that. One of which is by changing your priorities. We can become so consumed with ourselves. It's about me. It's about my wife. It's about my kids. It's about our needs. It's about grandkids. It's about my job. It's about my money. It's about my body. It's about this. Stop! At what point is the kingdom of God your priority? We find ourselves experiencing excessive worrying when we become so consumed with ourselves. When was the last time you asked the question, God, what's your plan for my life? God, what's your plan for my marriage? God, what's your plan for my singleness? God, what's your plan for my children? God, what's your plan for my career? In other words, when you become focused on advancing God's kingdom, you will not have the same level of focus on your problems. God's priorities will become your priorities and you'll find yourself in so changing priorities, giving your cares to God. We also realize that this is so critical. You can't predict tomorrow. You have no idea what will take place tomorrow. And we're all saddled by this COVID pandemic and we turn around and we find different strains that will take place and it may have an impact upon our activities and our movements, our gatherings, our social life. But I want you to be mindful of this. God still has our tomorrow in His hands. I love what Corey Ten Boom once said. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. In other words, stop worrying about tomorrow. Stop worrying about the future. We can't change the future. But one thing we do know, Jeremiah is right when he said, 
I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to give you a future and a hope. Plans not to destroy you, but plans to prosper us. I want you to see God has the future, your future, your children's future in His hands. Stop worrying. Give your cares to God. I want you to see how Paul tackled this. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, the way Paul prescribed that we give our fears to God is this way. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. With thankful hearts, offer up your prayers and requests to God. Then, because you belong to Christ Jesus, God will bless you with peace that no one can completely understand. And this peace will control the way you think and feel. Paul is saying, the way you give your cares to God, your worries to God, is by praying. In fact, Paul says, stop worrying. I love what Dr. Kenneth Weiss, the New Testament Greek scholar, he says, Philippians 4 verse 6 can be translated this way. I'm writing in haste to prevent your being anxious, for I will see that you're not worried. He says the force of the word worry in the Greek was Paul saying, I'm forbidding you to continue worrying. In other words, Paul says, you've been worrying. Stop it. That's what Paul was saying. He said it was a forceful word. Stop perpetually worrying even about one thing. The way you give your worries to God or your cares to God is like Paul says, stop it. Your heavenly Father will provide for you. What Paul is telling us in prayer is this, a worrier cannot be an intercessor. You cannot be a man of prayer and be a worrier. You cannot be a woman of prayer and be a worrier. It's antithetical. Intercessors can't be worriers. Worriers can't be intercessors. So when you give your predicament to God and you give Him your cares in prayer, what Paul is saying and Paul has said still is for us today, stop it. Stop worrying. Give it to God. I love Peter's take on it and how to give our cares to God. That's how we learn to stop worrying. Peter says this in 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Many translations put it this way. Cast your cares on God, for He cares for you. In other words... Deposit it once and for all. That's what that word give there means. Deposit it once and for all. Bury it with God. Give it to Him and don't pick it back up. It's not yours any longer. You've given it to Him. It's like when you take garbage out and I take my garbage out, I put it in the garbage container and I put it at the top of the driveway and when the sanitation company comes and takes it away, I can't come run after the truck and say, come, give me back my garbage. Jesus is saying the same thing according to Peter. In order for you to get rid of worrying, give it to God once and for all. Give that problem. You may be worried about a son that's on drugs, a daughter that's 
in an unhealthy relationship. I don't know what it is that you're worrying about, but Peter is giving us this prescription that when we give it to God, God, I give you my son. You know what it's going to take to get him to be free. God, I give my daughter to you. I put her into your care, your hands. Thank you, Lord, that your will be accomplished in her life. Thank you that you're going to work in her life for your good. I trust you in Christ's name once and for all. Don't pick it up again. Don't pick it up again. Leave it alone. I love what Charles Spurgeon, the legendary British preacher, said about when we give our cares to God. Spurgeon says, If God cares for you, why need you care too? Can you trust Him for your soul and not for your body? He has never refused to bear your burdens. He has never fainted under your weight. What a great question. Why do you need two persons caring about one problem? If you're going to care, then don't bring God into it. If God's going to care, then you don't get into it. Give your cares to God, and when you do, He will carry it. Nothing is too heavy for the Lord. Nothing is beyond His ability. So I want you to understand, as we look towards a renewed mind, we are learning how to stop worrying. Speak to your worries, starve your worries, and give God your worries. May I pray with you today? Here's what I want you to do. Remember that picture of worrying is a heavy burden? Picture now, I want you to put into your heart and your mind as if it were. Picture this. You have this big bag, huge, big bag, like the man with the picture on, of, of the big white bag. He's carrying this bag filled with burdens as he's walking up this mountain. Picture that you have a big bag. Put all the burdens in there. Put all the worries in there. Family, COVID, children, their education, financial needs, medical needs, job needs, housing, ministry calling, my psychological needs, my social needs, my aging parents. Put all those worries in that big bag. You got it? Now we're going to do what Peter tells us, to give God our cares. So right where you're sitting, maybe in your living room, or in your kitchen, or maybe you're in your bedroom, I want you to imagine, if you were, that that bedroom has become an altar. That kitchen has just been transported into an altar. And God wants you to give Him that big burden. Give your cares to Him. I'm going to count to three. And when I do, when I say three, I want you, as if you were, you're having this bag over your shoulder, drop it, just let it go, and let God carry it from now on. It's no longer yours. One, Jesus is madly in love with you. Two, Jesus tells you, do not worry. Three, let it go. Let me pray for you now. Father, I thank you for each person the burdens that they've been carrying, the worries that they've been a stranglehold around their neck, thank you that their grip has been broken. I pray that you just liberate them right now. I ask, Lord, that you meet every need that they have. I ask that they will be lighter and they'll walk in your peace, that your provision will be theirs, that they will no longer be gripped by the stranglehold of worry, 
but you will now take their cares. Father, I thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to you. Before I close, may I ask you this final question. Where are you in reference to your relationship with Jesus? He would sure love to have you in his family. Jesus Christ came into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. He wants to save you. Would you pray with me this simple prayer? It's requesting Jesus to wash away your sins, to change you. Here we go. Heavenly Father, wash away my sins. Change me. Help me to walk with you every day of my life, starting now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Congratulations. If you just prayed this prayer with me, please follow the prompting on the screen. Very important because we want to just put some literature in your hands that will help you grow and anchor this decision you have made to walk with Jesus. What a great week ahead of us. Please register for our 12-day fast so we can get a booklet in your hand that will help you grow in your faith. It's a free booklet, free registration. We just want to know how many people are journeying with us. Why? So we can pray for you and be encouraged together and grow together because God has something sensational that He wants to do in your life, in my life, and in our lives. Let's make this year the best year ever. Have a great week. God bless you.